Just like an Uber, make sure you rate this show five stars. This is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. How do you know my dad? Kidnapped me. <laughs> we killed some people. How far will an Uber driver go for five stars? That's Stuba. Hey, we only have one night left to have studied and partied in high school. Good girls making some bad choices in Booksmart. I'm driving my father in a house in And alligators are in the house in Crawl. That's this week on The Cinema Crew. Hello and welcome to The Cinema Crew, the podcast that talks new movies every week. My name is Michael Campbell, but you can call me Cambo. And joining me, as always, is Vari McIntyre. Hello. And Dan Miranda. Hi. Now, your chance to win a gold-class double pass coming up just a little later on, but first... Please be a five-star ride. Hey! Uber? Yeah. Be cool, be nice. I'm Stu. How do you do? Compton. I'm LAPD. Let's go. What, do you have a more specific address? Compton! Stop yelling, neighborhoods. That's not how Uber works. Camille Nanjani has managed to make his way from stand-up comedian to bit-part TV actor. Then last year, he managed to break into the mainstream with a starring role in The Big Sick, also managing to nab himself an Academy Award nomination for the screenplay. Now it appears he's on the precipice of comedy superstardom. So, is Stuber the film to get him there, Dan? Uh, look, I actually really thought Stuber was going to be a big bomb for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I saw the trailer, thought, nah, not my thing. But I went in only knowing what I saw from the trailer, which hopefully our listen, listeners have seen. But I actually enjoyed it. Well, the premise is pretty flimsy, but do you want to recap it just in case they haven't? Well, basically, it's about this guy called Stu who... Um, you find out at the start of the film is an Uber driver and he's trying to get a five-star rating so he can fund his business with a colleague of his or a friend. Uh, and where the uh, comedy comes into play is there's actually a detective played by Dave Batista, and he gets hired by him, which turns into a wild goose chase of him using him as his personal chauffeur. <laughs> so it's like thin on premise, but high on comedy. I think if you take it, with a grain of salt, you'll have a good time. Um, and I feel <laughs> many little uh, humorous tropes come from Uber itself. Like, right. <laughs> I'm sure most people have used Uber at one point in their life. And you can just laugh at some of the <laughs> typical things that could happen whilst taking a ride. <laughs> yeah, I was the same as you. I didn't really think that it was going to be my sort of movie. And I actually really enjoyed it. Mm. Um, and... I've noticed at the moment, is there some sort of like Indian renaissance in <laughs> actors on screen at the moment? Because we've had an Indian actor in Yesterday. Mm. Um, Kamal is, is um, Pakistani. Yes. And then we've got a movie coming up with Mindy Kaling as well in a lead role. And, and also a movie was... coming out called Blinded by the Light with a Pakistani lead as yes. well. Oh, yeah. And I feel like in the 90s, there was sort of a vibe with like Chinese actors and white actors. So now we've um, moved into sort of the Indian territory because <laughs> um, I've noticed, yeah, there's a, there's a lot out. Um, but yeah, this this one made me laugh quite a lot. Um, it was really surprisingly sweet and moving. And maybe that's a spoiler and I shouldn't give that away because we want to like, it looks like it's trying to aim for that sort of boys boy mm. audience member to come in because there's Dave Batista is a real action star and that's that's the uh, maybe the grab of what will get that sort of audience member in but actually teaches them a lot about feelings 
Let me guess, you want me to drive you to all the Sarah Connors in the city, <laughs> Come on, start it up, let's go. Oh, it's already started. Electric car. I call it silent, but deadly. Drive. I'm Stu, how do you do? Can I get you some bottled water, some Canadian chocolates? It was one of those things where I thought I was getting five bars on Amazon, but I ended up getting Koreatown, now. Koreatown, now. Hold on, I'm gonna bang a Yui here real quick. Nope, don't got it. Hold on. Oh, didn't quite make it. Just, just a couple more points and we got it. That that's I think that's good when it can be more than one thing. Like it has mm. the Dave Batista action stuff, mm. which people will come for, but it actually has a bit of heart to it. And I think that that's a real key to making a comedy um, like last beyond its opening weekend is a comedy mm. with a lot of heart. And in fact, I would put uh, uh, Instant Family in this category as well, sure. where it surprisingly is is uh, more heartfelt and thought out than you would expect from its pretty thin premise. And it sounds like, you know, that's what is going to work with Stuba is that it has more to it than its surface level joke. I want to talk about Camille Nanjani because he does an amazing job. He was the voice of Pawnee in uh, Men in Black just recently. Oh, he was. I also course. recognize him. He's in one of my favorite TV shows on TV right now is Silicon Valley. And he's one of the main leads in Silicon oh. Valley. Uh, so that's yeah. where that's where I knew that he sure. had comedy chops from because I'd seen him for you know seasons and seasons on that. And I know that he can really land uh, like broad comedy in stuff like Men in Black, but really like specific nerdy comedy like uber comedy. Yes. Or is it is like tech comedy in Silicon Valley. He's good at those niches as well. He does. He did comedy better mm. than I thought he could sell it. Like <laughs> even to the level of Batista, like Batista does have, uh, uh, I guess he's very heartfelt. Like if you go back to his Guardians of the Galaxy role, he is humorous, but you really connect with him on an um, emotional level. But I think mm. he does this as well. What I think he does best is serious in comedy. I think when he's not trying to be comedic is when he shines. Because mm. he also has this really small role in Blade Runner. 2049. Yeah. Oh, yes. 2049. Yeah. Right at the start. And he was so good in that. I'd really like to see him do some really serious roles more because he was really good in that. But what makes it funny is when he's not trying to be funny. And that especially works in this film because you've got that counterpoint to Kamal trying to be like really funny and then Dave being um, very serious and that um, juxtaposition of their relationship. One is more meek and sort of more in touch with his emotions and he's scared to be in this situation and Dave's character just comes in and he's like this really ripped, confident <laughs> cop and he's like, no, nah, we're going to catch some bad guys and you're going to help me. And Kamal's character's like, oh my God, like he's just wrapped up in this thing and he just has to kind of like go along with it and he really doesn't want to. And then they learn a lot about each other and they have this really nice relationship. It's really cute. There are also some TV uh, superstar cameos. Um, I don't want to give away any details as to their role in the film, but there are some very humorous moments from this. <laughs> also, the bad guy in this is played by Iko Uwe, mm. who oh, did yes. Mile 22, The Raid. The Raid! Like I love yeah. The Raid. I talk about The Raid yeah. at any opportunity I can. <laughs> Go watch The I Raid. I know. I saw him. <laughs> I saw him and I was like, oh, Cambo's going to be so excited. Yeah. He loves this guy. <laughs> Do you think they had to like pay Uber a lot 
to make this film or do you think Uber paid someone to make this film? Because I feel like we're saying that word a lot. Yeah. And we know, Cambo, you love products. <laughs> I love brand movies. integration. It, yeah, that's a good question. It's not – in fact, there's a movie called The Internship that was uh, made Google. by Google. Mm. Uh, and mm. that was a pretty blatant. But it, this doesn't seem – because it seems like they're kind of poking fun at Uber a little bit. And that mm. could be also like a brand thing that they're okay with that. But it seems less on the nose than, you know, I, how I said the, the Lexus commercial in Men in Black, <laughs> where it stopped the movie for a minute mm. and was like, check out these features. <laughs> I mean, everyone seemed to really enjoy it. But who do you think, like, what specific audience member do you think is really going to connect with Stuba? I think any action uh, fan. Um, I just see this being a really good, uh, probably. T- Teen, and sorry, tween uh, flick with a girlfriend, a boyfriend. I reckon both sides are going to really enjoy this. Um, I wouldn't really take anyone under the age of, say, 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and even people who don't know a lot about Uber, I still think might learn something from this film potentially. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say date night movie as well or just like a bunch of friends. It's just one of these films that doesn't have much thinking to it, but it's actually – but it pulls at the heartstrings a little bit. It's sweet. Um, you come away feeling really good and you laugh a lot. It's actually really funny. We didn't party because we wanted to focus on school and get into good colleges. And it worked. We are not one-dimensional. We are smart and fun. Woo! Excuse me. We have to go to a party tonight. What? What took them four years? We are doing it one night! Mace, listen, it is very important that you keep the safety. Tonight is your night. Prepare to get bashed! Not in like a violent way, completely consensual bashed. Prepare to get consensually bashed. They'll say I'll have them change it. Booksmart is a film with some serious buzz behind it, but it's also a film that no one seems to be talking about. It walked away with the Audience Award from the San Francisco International Film Festival and boasts a 97% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's clearly had a strong reception. So, Vari, why don't people know about it? Maybe because it's um, two female characters in the lead. Uh, whoops. Uh, <laughs> controversial. <laughs> I think this one actually is a really good counterpoint to Stuber, which explored male relationships, and this one is female relationships. And they actually ride share a lot in this one as well. Which that that is true. A, to like pretty hilarious one. results. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so this one follows two best friends, Amy and Molly, and they've been extremely studious throughout their schooling so they could get into good colleges. Um, and on their last day of high school, they realize they haven't had any fun during those years. So they try and fit four years of partying into one night. <laughs> I know we've compared it to Superbad and maybe a lot of other people are going to do that as well. It's that sort of teen movie, mm. Good Girls Gone Bad. And structurally and it's pretty similar. Yeah, just the, a lot of uh, the sequence of events happen where the characters get caught up in different things. They're on a linear progression. They're like, we start at home and we want to go to this party at the end of the night. And then it's not a straight line. They go on a curve over <laughs> no. here, then they get mixed up over here, and then they're over here, and they can't actually get to this party. So it's like this kind of road trip in this really long roundabout way, and they get into all these hijinks. Yeah, it's a bit convoluted, I found, because I I, I think to get a party address of someone from your school, 
I don't know how easy or hard that may be, but in this case, it seems very difficult, very <laughs> lucrative to get this party. Um, and I just saw it as really as a device for, you know, all these different, you know, subcultures from high school for them to go, you know, oh, there's this kind of party happening, which might be like a dramatic uh, retelling of like... Uh, in vain of Cluedo, that type of thing. And then you've got the, the really rich kids and there was humor in that, but I just, I just really wanted them to get to the party and for the things to unfold. I oh, see. I have a real soft spot for comedies, uh, that take place almost in real time. And that's kind of what this is. Like it's yeah. uh, not quite in real time, but it's, mm. uh, in, it's in a single night. And I, I really love that idea. And it, it, that's where the comparisons to Superbad really happen, I think, because that is similar where that all happens over a night trying to get to a party. Uh, but I, I actually think I, I think I like this a lot more than you, Dan, as well. I think that this is a really clever movie, but it also that doesn't mean it's not like stupid in other ways. I think it's clever in that like emotionally clever and, and the way that it handles things like um, uh, you know, school relationships or sexuality and things like that are very mature and very modern and very almost blasé. And I think that that's really good. Uh, but it's also, it's not above a really dumb joke where someone embarrasses themselves, which I think that that mix is really good. And I, I really liked it. We have to go to a party tonight. What? Let's go to Nick's party. Are you kidding? No, no way. Only, we only have one night left to have studied and partied in high school. Otherwise, we're just gonna be the girls that missed out. We haven't done anything. We haven't broken any rules. Okay, we've broken a lot of rules. One, we have fake IDs. Fake college IDs so we can get into their 24-hour library. Name one person whose life was so much better because they broke a couple of rules. Picasso. That's, he broke art rules. Name a person who broke a real rule. Rosa Parks. Name another Susan one. Susan B. Anthony. God damn it. Yeah, what really makes this film is the relationship between the two characters. And that comes from the actresses themselves. We've got Caitlin Deaver, mm -hmm. who was in Beautiful Boy, and Beanie Feldstein, who you might know from Lady Bird or Bad Neighbours 2. Mm. And apparently uh, Olivia Wilde, who is the director, said that they should live together because the, the two women had just met and their characters are supposed to have been like, attached at the hip best friends for many years so they while rehearsing and filming moved in together and became roomies and i think you that really comes across on screen as well they yeah. actually have such chemistry i totally agree even from the very first scene that they're in in which they dance across a front lawn together <laughs> it's just so geeky and adorable and you can really tell that they genuinely are having such a good time doing these kind of silly mm. things like that my favorite part was definitely the drive with their phone plugged in and they're watching something on their screen <laughs> and something <laughs> yeah, happens. Yeah, it, it, do, it does those like embarrassing cringe humor moments yes. really well. There's a, there's a lot of moments where it's almost like you're covering your eyes because you know mm. they're about to kind of do something wrong or they're, they're about to make some <laughs> kind of social faux pas. And you're, it's almost secondhand embarrassment for them in that yeah. way. We're like, no, no, stop, please stop, please stop. But Jason Sudakis, who plays the principal <laughs> of the school they go to, who's also their ride chair from <laughs> Lyft in this film, um, he, he does really well to, you know, he's not the comedic person in the scenes, but I feel like he, he plays a straight man well in a way. I, I think, though, the fact that he does play it so straight yeah. and against type for Jason mm. Stakis is kind of what's so funny about it because he's playing this really straight-laced teacher who can't quite connect to the youth 
Um, by the way, husband of Olivia Wilde, who directed uh, the movie. That makes sense. Nepotism. Ooh. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> it's got vibes of like dazed and confused, maybe a bit of clueless, maybe a bit of mean girls. It's one of these sorts of um, female relationship films that's really going to um, appeal to maybe a younger female audience. Um, but I went to see it with my boyfriend and he really loved it. He thought it was really funny as well. So maybe a date night um, or a, a group of friends and you just want to have a good laugh. Yeah, I definitely think the exact same audience that are seeing Stuba should see this film. If if one wants to see the other, you've got to <laughs> see both because I think they're, they're good companion yeah. films. Also still in cinemas, Spider-Man Far From Home. Let's follow Peter Parker all the way to the EU. And some teen drama in After. An adaptation of the best-selling fanfic romance. You can hear about both of those movies and, in fact, everything that's in cinemas right now with our back catalogue, which you can access from whichever podcast app you'd like. The state of Florida has issued a Category 5 hurricane warning. All residents must evacuate immediately. Grab your families, your loved ones, and get out. Dad! We won't be able to come for you. Dad! Raimi made a name for himself in schlock horror when he was just 22 years old and he directed The Evil Dead. And even though he's gone on to greater success since with the likes of Spider-Man and Oz the Great and Powerful, you've got to admire his passion for producing smaller horror films still. And this one admittedly has a pretty wild concept. Dan, what is it? An alligator attacking, terrorizing an entire family in a house during a Category 5 hurricane. Yeah, it's alligators in the house. That is the elevator pitch of this movie. Um, okay, you can't say that without laughing. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what, I, that's what I really like about, uh, especially movies that Sam Raimi produces these days more than directs, is because The Evil Dead is so tongue-in-cheek mm. horror. And, you know, like by the time of Army in Darkness, it was just a straight-up comedy that he really has this love of like, how dumb is this? Let's do it. <laughs> and let's do it well. And even uh, he, he produced movies like Don't Breathe, which actually has a very similar concept, I, people stuck mm, in a house. It was. Um, and they're just really good examples of the genre. <laughs> and and this is by uh, a director called Alexander Aja, who directed a movie called Horns with Daniel Radcliffe a couple of years ago mm. and The Hills Have Eyes and stuff like that. Uh, and Piranha 3D. Piranha 3D. Did he do Piranha 3DD? No, he didn't. Oh. <laughs> just the first one. But he is also one of these guys that like takes something that sounds... I guess like it would be uh, like uh, back in the 90s, something you'd find in the back corner of a blockbuster <laughs> and making them like the Hollywood version of that. Yeah. And I really like that they took us uh, something that could be like a Sharknado level plot. Mm. And, and they're like, you know what? Let's put some actual money into it. Let's get some proper actors in this and let's make it a real thing. Yeah. I think that's really surprising with, um, as you say, films like Sharknado. But I think... Certainly after the success of The Meg, which was a huge budget Hollywood shark film, um, was so successful, they decided, yeah, let's make these movies a bit bigger and put some money into them because there's clearly an audience for them. Yeah, if you remember our 
um, review of the Meg a while ago. You'll know that I'm not a huge fan of these monster movies. Um, yeah, not not my thing. Um, but I I was interested to know that this was inspired by true events. Mm. Well, I, um, I do question that phrase. <laughs> they probably saw oh, but an I did alligator. Some oh, you did. Oh, please explain. Yeah, I did research. Explain. Um, so during Hurricane Florence in Florida. The floodwaters rose so much that alligators were seen in suburbs, just walking down streets and swimming around. Um, and I know Australia has experienced that as well with like a shark swimming down a road at some point when we had floods. Um, so it is true that there were alligators during a hurricane and they came into people's houses maybe, but just not the killer aspect. I think where the the reality of uh, animals that can be seen as fearsome to people tread out of, you know, that that area of this is what is in their nature and this isn't. That's where I get really intrigued because I I know, obviously, this is not reality. So that's where I get enjoy. And I actually, from the original Jaws as a kid, that's where I got so fascinated in sharks themselves. And um, although I know that's not real... It actually created such a, you know, a fan, uh, a fascination in me to discover more about them. Whereas some people are a bit stupid and think, oh, that's, <laughs> how, that's how these animals are. They're out to kill us. I guess it's that sort of um, the idea that movie makers have. They have these crazy ideas like Stuber. They're like, let's get an Uber driver and a really jacked up cop and put him in a car for a couple of hours. And they're like, this one, let's put like a small woman in a house with a really big alligator and see what happens. <laughs> your chance to win a gold class double pass, simply head to the Village Cinema's Facebook or Instagram page, look for the Cinema Crew post and answer the question. Okay, you're calling an Uber. What comedy star would you want to pick you up in this Uber? Yeah, simply leave your answer in a comment with the hashtag of the Cinema Crew for your chance to win. Next week, we all get ready to feel all of the feelings with The Lion King and a documentary that left us all a little flawed in Apollo 11. But until then, thank you, Vari. Thanks. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. And my name is Cambo, and this is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinema.